Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. Morning. I will read from Romans 10, verses 10 through 17. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Kelly. You're as good a scripture reader as you are a violin player, so thanks for that. <laughs> well, we have been in a series. Uh, we just started a series last week, and the topic of this series is faith. And we last week spent some time kind of um, talking about one aspect of faith and really kind of trying to get to the definition of faith. And today we're going to talk, uh, really look at faith uh, as from a relational standpoint. You know, I was thinking about relationships in, in my life um, that are most meaningful to me. And um, first, starting with my own wife and then my own kids. And how when, I, when my kids were really young, when I would come back uh, to the house at the end of the day, it was like a big deal. Um, they would run to me, and they would say hi, and they would start to tell me about their day. And as they've gotten a little older, it's less of a big deal. Um, but recently, we've been watching uh, my mother-in-law's dog, a little Shih Tzu, and his name's Mario. And whenever I come home, he acts like it's a big deal that I return. Some of you have dogs, right? It's like, woo There's this, there's this this thing we all feel in our relationships when we're away from somebody that we love and when this reunion happens, something within us like springs up with joy, doesn't it? Um, I am, I'm going to tell you, I am a sucker for any of those videos that show like some sort of unexpected reunion happening. And the ones that I typically see the most are a military deployment where the father comes home and the kid's kind of didn't expect it. And so I just had to show one of these today. And what I want you to keep in mind, I want you to think of the power of relationship, because that's where we're going to go today in our text. So let's uh, watch this, this uh, reunion video. Whoops, I just messed it up. So there we go. She's talking to her dad, who's not there. Happy girl. 
<laughs> I love that, and I could get emotional even just thinking about it. I want you to hold on to that imagery, because in just a moment, we're going to look at a text where there's a similar kind of encounter um, between Jesus and one of his followers. But, but I want you to think about this this morning. As we talk about faith, at the heart of the human experience, the very core of our human experience, is centered on relationship. We were made to be with. And when we're not, when we're apart, or when we're isolated in our own lives, or when we're alone, then we feel it. Something deep within us is broken. Earlier this year, I referenced a study that was put out by the U.S. Surgeon General, where he said the biggest epidemic right now facing America is not COVID. It is an epidemic of isolation and loneliness. And so we feel that the importance of relationship when we're with and when we're without. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that the same is true for our faith, that the heart of our faith is relationship. The, the, the Christian faith is not primarily an intellectual discovery, although it certainly includes that. It's also not primarily about a set of values or virtues, but the Christian faith certainly includes that as well. It's also not about how to live your best life now. But again, it includes principles to do that. The heart of the Christian faith is that we discover we were made in the image of God. And even though we reject and ignore God at times, God himself has pursued us and he has made himself known to us. And he desires to bring us back into relationship. This truth about God, that he's a relational God, is made known in the life of Jesus. As Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of God dwells in a human body. Everything that we want to know about God was made known in Jesus. And so this is the heart of the Christian faith. And so knowing this, there are things that draw us close to God or push us further away from him. There are things that strengthen our faith or there are things that weaken it. Last week we brainstormed together and I asked, the, I asked you the question, when you hear the word faith, what comes to mind? And so we voted via cell phone. Uh, my clicker's not working. Oh, it is working, just not showing on the back screen there. So we voted by cell phone, and these were some of the words that you came up with as we talked about what faith is. I also gave a dictionary definition of faith from Cambridge Dictionary that faith is a high degree of confidence or trust in someone or something. So as the people of God, we know that Jesus is that something, that someone that we have a high degree of confidence or trust in. He is the object of our faith. You don't need a degree or a telescope or a horoscope to find God. He is fully expressed in Jesus. And so as we talked about last week, real Christian faith is a belief in Jesus as God and 
a trust in him with our life. It is both a noun and a verb. It is both knowledge and action. But our faith, like our relationships, are not a steady constant, are they? They're not. There are times when we feel closer or further away from those that we love, those that we trust. There are times when our doubt is greater than our trust. And so if you're at that place right now, sitting in this room or watching online, if you're in a place where that is true for you, then you can probably relate to the story that we're going to look at right now, where doubt seemed to be greater than trust. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to John chapter 20. We're going to look at just a brief interaction between Jesus and one of his closest friends. John chapter 20, we'll look at verse 24 through 28. This will not be on the screen, but you can follow along in your Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, then we would love for you to have the one in the pew in front of you. Or you can download the many free ones that are available online as well. John chapter 20, let me just give the little little context here. Jesus, God in the flesh, has died. And he'd been dead for some days at this point. But word has it that he's not dead. And so this is where we pick up the story. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, that is the inner circle of Jesus, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, speaking of his resurrection. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, I feel kind of bad for Thomas because there is a, an idiom that we use in our culture, a label that we use when somebody is a doubter. And what do, we, what do we call them? A doubting Thomas. In fact, I would wager that a lot of people say that and don't actually know that it's from this, right? So poor Thomas is labeled as the doubter for the rest of his life because of this interaction. And can you blame him? for doubting the resurrection. No, but maybe a little bit. A lot of people can relate to Thomas, I think. Uh, Thomas had actually heard Jesus say that he was going to rise from the dead. So Thomas had heard Jesus' prediction. 
Thomas had friends that told him Jesus was still alive, but even then, Thomas was, nope, not me, dog. (laughs) Not for me. No way. I think a lot of us can actually relate to Thomas. Many of us have read the words of Jesus, and we doubt them. Eh, Could Jesus really do that for me? I don't know. Many of us have friends that have spoken to us about Jesus, about what he's done in their life, and we thought, well, I don't know about that. Many of us can relate to Thomas' attitude in general about Jesus, his faith in Jesus. And the question that's interesting for me to ponder is, if I were Jesus, how would I respond we see very clearly how Jesus would respond to the kind of doubt that Thomas had. He says this, says, Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, Peace be with you. And then he zeroes in on Thomas. Jesus was not in the room when Thomas doubted, but Jesus knew. Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. One of the things we always miss, and I talked about this last week, we don't know the tone that Jesus said this in. We impose our own tone, kind of like a stern father, just like we did when Jesus said to Peter as he was sinking after walking on water, you have little faith. I believe that Jesus' tone here was similar, not as condemning, but as as welcoming. Come back into relationship. Don't you know that I can be trusted? Don't you know that I'm worth believing in? And just like that, Thomas' doubt melts away. My Lord and my God. Kind of like that girl we just saw. Are you real? Is this a dream? It is not a dream. This is really happening. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this story, I say to myself, well, yeah, if Jesus did that to me, then my doubt would disappear too. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to tend to to be more in the atheist camp that said, well, yeah, if God showed up in front of me, I would believe. And so it's easy to say that. Well, if Jesus did that, my doubt would disappear too, but he's never done that for me. He probably won't. As if he was anticipating our response today, Jesus seems to speak off the pages to the people who would read this very same story generations later. What does Jesus say? Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If that is you this morning, then say amen. I don't know about you, I don't know your story, but I do know that if you've placed your faith in Jesus, there have been times where it has been strong, and there have also been times where it has been weak. Times when your faith is burning with passion, I am all in, and other times when it's cold as ice, where it feels like Jesus is on deployment somewhere. I don't know when I'll see him again. So this morning, I just want to, based on this text, I want to kind of explore three ways that faith often grows cold and dies, and then three ways that it often is reignited and continues to grow. 
So if faith is a high degree of trust or confidence in someone, then I think it only makes sense that we answer this question, how does faith die from a relational standpoint? So I want us to think about faith as relationship. Again, not as superpower we muster up or a certain percentage of belief versus a certain percentage of doubt. I want us to think about faith from the standpoint of relationship with God. So in that case, how do your relationships grow cold? When you think about people that you know, how do they grow cold? Or how do they eventually end all together? Now, there's lots of ways, but I want to offer three that I think are pretty common for most of us. Faith often dies or faith often grows cold when first there is broken trust. Oftentimes that broken trust comes in the form of unmet expectations. When a a spouse or a friend or a loved one doesn't do the things that we would hope that they would do, they don't prove to be the person that we hope they would be, they don't do the things we would desire for them to do, those unmet expectations lead to a, a type of broken trust. And this is true for our our relationship with God. Sometimes we expect him to do certain things, and when he doesn't do those things for us, we begin to take a step back. I don't know if I can trust you with that anymore then, God. And so what we invariably start to do is we start to trust him with some things and not trust him with others. Sometimes that broken trust, as it relates to our Christian faith, uh, is broken through other people, people that claim to follow Jesus and yet do things that are not in line with who Jesus is. Christians behaving badly. So broken trust is one of the ways that faith grows cold. Another way is when there is no intimacy in our relationship. Now, intimacy has become a euphemism for kind of sexual relationship, but intimacy at its core is not that, although it might include that. It's great. It's much deeper than that. Intimacy is the the, relation, the type of relationship where we are fully known and we, and we fully know. When I was a kid, we used to say, best friends, right? You know everything about me. You can, we can finish our, our sentences together. I can look, take one look at you and I can know if you are down or you are up. Intimacy is this, this relational connection that is deeper than just kind of like knowing the likes of somebody. It's knowing the very heart and personality of who they are. And so in our faith, our faith often grows cold when that intimacy starts to fade. I just don't feel close to you anymore, God. Often a sign of lack of intimacy or no intimacy with God is that we just don't pray anymore. There's, there's no prayer other than dinner and bedtime. Uh, why would I ask God for anything else? Why would I tell him my deepest feelings or thoughts? And so lack of intimacy leads to leads to a dying faith. And the third one, and this is really closely connected, is infidelity. And again, this is often used in, the, in a kind of a thoughts of marriage relationship. But really, infidelity is just a, a committed relationship that is broken in some way. Doubt, which leads to unbelief. So we basically say, you know what? Uh, all of these, these markers of a committed relationship, whether it's a person or, in this case, we're talking about our relationship with God, 
These, these markers of commitment, they're nowhere to be found. We see this uh, very clearly in the Old Testament story of the people of Israel who God makes a commitment to them. And he says, if you uphold your commitment, this relationship will be whole and healthy. And time after time, they reject God and they go their own way. Pursue other gods, pursue their own desires. There's infidelity in their relationship with God. We see this from the very beginning, um, how lack of intimacy and how infidelity leads to, to doubt, and doubt leads to unbelief. Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, they had this personal, close relationship with Jesus, or with God, and they're walking in the garden, and then they encounter a tree, that the one tree they're not supposed to eat from, and in that moment, this doubt creeps in through the serpent's words. Did God really say? And in that moment, they break their commitment to God, and they, they let this doubt creep in, and it ultimately leads to an unbelief for them. Yeah, maybe God didn't really say that. Maybe he really doesn't have our best in mind. I think I'm going to do this thing that he told me not to do. So in just a few days after Jesus dies, Thomas is wrestling with this same thing, this doubt. And now I'm not even sure if I'm committed to this thing to begin with. The end result of these things in our relationships is that while a lot of these things can be kind of under the surface for a while, if a relationship is cold for too long, if it's missing these things for too long, it eventually dies. We, we see this in marriage. All of a sudden, this couple breaks up and we're like, what? How did that happen? We thought everything was okay. Well, under the surface, these three issues have been brewing for a long time. It wasn't just one mistake. And we see this with believers as well. It's always shocking when somebody walks away from their faith. It could be a pastor. This last year there was a seminary professor. Teaches the Bible for a living. Like, you know what? I don't know that I believe anymore. How did that happen? How could you go? Well, it didn't just happen. There was this coldness in his faith. This moving away from intimacy, this lack of commitment. We often ask the expected question on Sunday morning. How are you doing? Everybody goes, good. We move on, right? How was your week? Good. How's work? Good. How's the football season? No, we'll, we'll talk about that after. <laughs> I did notice a lot less Seahawks colors this morning. I don't know what happened last week. So, I think a question we should be asking each other is, how, how close do you feel to God right now? How is your relationship with Jesus? I actually know somebody, somebody in our church that often asks that to me. And I, to be honest, I'm caught off guard whenever he does. Because <laughs> nobody asks those types of questions. How are you and Jesus right now? Oh, man. I feel pretty, pretty far from him, to be honest. I'm going through all these things, and I've been, life's been frantic, and I haven't had time to pray, and lack of intimacy. And Sometimes we don't even realize our faith has grown cold until it's too late. No intimacy, no trust, no relationship. It's over. So how does faith grow then? If these 
things often lead to a dying faith. How does faith grow? How do we keep our faith fueled and aflame? Number one is I think we need to know and I'd say believe the word. Kelly just read from Romans chapter 10 that faith comes through hearing the word about Jesus. One of the questions I ask when I read this story about Thomas is, had Thomas just completely ignored the prophetic statements of Jesus? When Jesus and Thomas were hanging out and Jesus was feeding people and walking on water and doing all these things, I bet Thomas was like, whoa, this is cool. And then Jesus was like, hey, someday this is going to happen. Thomas was like, what, what, someday? Hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise again. What? That's weird. Had Thomas just completely ignored the future promises of Jesus? It seems kind of like that. That he wouldn't even be like, wait a second, I know you all said you saw him, but is this because, is this in line with what Jesus had talked about before? Could it be? It didn't seem like there was even any pondering for Thomas. It was just like, no, nah, that's impossible. Not going to happen. For us today, we don't have the audible words, although some people have heard that. We have the written word of Jesus given to us. Again, going back to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Jesus. When we hear the good news about Jesus, our eyes are open to see this amazing trustworthiness of God in all of creation. I've read some amazing stories of scientists that we're doing research on things like the human genome, right? The very essence of who we are. And as they began to, to get deeper and deeper into how this, this works, they go, wait a second. My beliefs before were that this was an accident. This was just some amazing cosmic accident. But, but now as I'm looking at this, I'm going, wait a second. What if there is a, a God? What if this is actually designed What if Jesus is that God? What if everything I knew before is now turned upside down? When we hear the news about Jesus, he is God in the flesh. Then all of a sudden we see the trustworthiness of God in all of creation and through all of human history. If that doesn't start your faith, I don't know what will. Hearing the word about Jesus also keeps us oriented to what is true. We have never been more bombarded in our culture. I'm talking about school systems, media, wherever you are, work, about all sorts of things you should believe about yourself, about other people, about the way the world should be run. If, as Christians, we are not holding and being oriented toward what is true about who God is and about who we are and about how the world is to be, then we will be overwhelmed. But when we do, our faith will be sustained. It will continue to grow. And so the antidote to this broken trust that we often wrestle with, 
these unmet expectations is having right expectations based on God's word. And I'm going to be honest, I don't always understand the why of pain and death. And there's plenty of room in our relationship to ask God why. To ask him why these things happen. But when we have grasped the power of the message of Jesus, then our why is not enough to kill our faith in him. Instead, we can confidently say, while I don't know why this is happening, my light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs all of these things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, this, many Sundays I get here, you know, fairly early, and I'm downstairs in my office preparing for the message, and I hear somebody whistle really loud. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We have a member of our deaf church that is deaf, but he's also blind. And he gets dropped off in the corner right here by the bus. He takes the bus. Can't see, can't hear. Try that sometime. Try just walking out the worship center this morning. And what he does is when he gets off the bus, is he has a really, really loud whistle, and he just begins to blow it. Why? Because he knows somebody is going to come get him and bring him into our church building. Every Sunday, somebody shows up. This morning, I went over there and walked him in the building and up to the third floor where our deaf church meets. And, and I was thinking about, why? Why, God? Why is he deaf and blind? I mean, one thing enough would be challenging, right? Why? Why is this your plan for his life? I would love to tell you I got this answer from God, but I didn't. I didn't. But you know, you know, a few things as I was thinking about that. Man, God was convicting me of the things I complain about. God was showing me in his, this man's faithfulness, of all the people that has a reason to stay home, and yet he comes. Man. And then I thought, God, you're using him, aren't you? Right now, in this moment, you are using him. You are speaking through him. You are convicting me. You are challenging me. You're snapping me out of my own complacency. God, I wish he wouldn't have been born this way. But you're, you're doing something bigger than I can understand. And so when we trust in the word of God, then it elevates our perspective. And we can confidently say, I may not know why, but God, I know that in the end, when we are all with you, all this will be clear. You are still good despite these painful moments. And so when we know and believe God's word, we will have a rooted faith, a confident trust based on the truth of the message of Jesus. So knowing and hearing the truth leads to a trust 
that grows. It also leads into a relationship that is intimate. And again, we talked about what intimacy is. This, this knowing, this being close, this being in relationship. One of the, the names of Jesus was Emmanuel. That means God with us. Last week, when, G, when Peter was doubting whether that was Jesus out on the water, Jesus said to him, come. That is the heart, of the, the heart invitation of faith, is this nearness that we are to experience with God. And so intimacy is necessary to a growing faith. Now remember Thomas. It seems that Thomas is the only disciple that hadn't seen Jesus. If you look back at the passage, it's like, everybody had seen Jesus but Thomas. And Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe him. It was, a, it was a week later that Jesus showed up and showed himself to Thomas. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been worshiping on a Sunday, maybe this morning, and you thought, am I the only one here that's just not feeling this right now? Or maybe you've, maybe you've been that person where you've seen or you've heard stories of other people's relationship with Jesus and think, I've never had that. Can I even have that? Is that even possible? You feel like an outsider in the midst of the community of faith. Man, I can imagine Thomas was probably feeling like that in that moment. Everybody else has seen him but me? Yeah, right. But then Thomas expresses something that I think, I, when I read this, I see it almost like, like a prayer. God, <laughs> unless you come into this room, unless I can see the wounds that you've endured, I'm not going to believe what my friends are saying. Now, he doesn't address it to God. He's addressing it to his friends. But I think it's a prayer similar to what a lot of us have prayed before. And what does Jesus do? He comes. He comes. Peace be with you, his first words, a week later. So it's so important we know that faith grows when our relationship with God is based on this type of intimacy, knowing that Jesus wants to draw near to us, even in our doubts, he wants to be close to us. And so let me encourage you, pray, pray. Pray with your eyes open, pray while you're walking, pray while you're driving, pray, talk to God, because it is conversation that leads to intimacy. My wife and I, when we first got married, we were both going to school and both working. Imagine how much free time we had with each other. None. And we would often get home at night in the little time that our lives were overlapping, exhausted, and you know what we would do? Turn on the TV, because we were tired. Six months into our marriage, we didn't know each other. Because the only time that we had spending with each other was with the TV. And so we said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> We've, we, should be, we should know each other a little bit more this six months into our marriage relationship. And so we said, no TV for a month. And so we took a month off. And then you know what we did with that time? We talked. We played games. We went for walks. We did things that strengthened the deepened intimacy 
So if the sum total of your relationship with God is coming to church on Sunday, that's not going to breed intimacy. That's not going to deepen the closeness that you feel with God. Let me encourage you. Talk to God. Spend time with him. And we know that intimacy with God is possible because by faith we have relationship with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. This means that at any and every moment you are in relationship with him whether you see him or not. He is with you. He hears you. He knows you. And he loves you. And so lastly, if infidelity as we talked about, is a, is a lack of commitment or is a sign of a dying faith, then the opposite is also true. Our faith grows when we have high fidelity, which is also a John Cusack movie from 2000. Um, do you know what you call a relationship where only one side is faithful? Probably a, lo- a lot of things, right? Toxic, dysfunctional, abusive, The Bible makes it clear that our unfaithfulness, our infidelity, won't affect God's faithfulness. But, so God will always be faithful, but there is no way we can have a growing faith unless we're willing to obey the commands of Jesus as much as we want to receive the blessings of Jesus. A lot of folks, they want to, they go to church And they say, amen, because they want to receive the blessings. But then they read God's word, and God says, hey, you really want to receive the blessings? Walk in my way. Hey, time out. I just want the benefits without the work. And we see this in in so many relationships today. Couples that that hook up together, that, that live together, they want the benefits of marriage without the commitment of marriage. Want all the perks None of the work. This is a a toxic, dysfunctional, broken relationship. The Bible makes it clear that, though, that even when we act in this way, God is still faithful. It's interesting, Caleb and I did not compare notes, but he read the passage from James chapter 4 as he was doing announcements. And so I want to read that one more time. It says, Come close to God and what? God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. If in order for us to have the intimacy, the faith that we desire, we need to have a high fidelity, a high commitment to Jesus. One of my life verses, I've shared this before, many people have life verses, right? Kind of like one sentence from the Bible that, Mine is more of a life story from John chapter 6. Jesus just got done teaching, and a lot of the people that were hearing the teaching, they were like, this is too hard. <laughs> we, can't do, we can't do this. We can't be this committed to you, Jesus. We are out. Hundreds and hundreds of people just walked away from Jesus. John chapter 6. John, Jesus turns towards his disciples And he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter, kind of the spokesman for the group, says this. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe you and to know that you are the Holy One 
of God. In other words, we're all in. We're still committed. High fidelity. And with one last little illustration, several years ago, the Seahawks were on an exciting playoff run to the Super Bowl, and they had put up in their locker room a sign that every player hit on the way out to the field, kind of their last statement as they went. And it was this. I'm in. All the work, all the preparation, getting ready to go out and compete. I'm in. I'm in. High fidelity, high commitment. So as we think about our faith, I just want to leave you with this. Jesus is the tangible expression of the heart of God. At times, Jesus will call us to come on the water. And at other times, he'll pursue us in our doubts. He will come to us. Jesus is faithful even when our faith is weak. And so I hope this morning that you would hear the invitation to come. But if you feel too weak to do it by yourself, that you would know that he wants to come to you. You would ask him, express your doubts, be honest with him, and then see what happens. And if you've never had an encounter with Jesus, I want to pray for, for all of us in this room, but especially for you, that you would know him right now. So let's pray together as the worship team comes back up. Oh, Father, we're so grateful that we can even say what I just said, that we can call you Father, that you are a God who knows us and loves us and cares about us. You are an intentional God by design. You made us relational people. Father, I know in this room there are people who feel far from you. They feel like their faith is at the end. Maybe it's even dead. But your faithfulness is still present. You still pursue and invite. You still transform. And you greet us not with condemnation, but with the Father's heart. Stop doubting. Trust in me. Believe. I pray for all of us, Lord God, that we would be people that pursue that relationship with high fidelity, personal intimacy, and with a knowing and a trust in your words. And for those in this room that have never had that experience, never encountered you, we pray that what you spoke off the pages of John chapter 20, that blessed are those who believe, who have not seen you. I pray that would be true for them, that they would place their faith in you Today, And if that's you, if you're ready to place your faith in Jesus, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, you are God, and I trust you with everything that I have. You pray that prayer this morning. We would love to talk with you further about what it means to journey with Jesus together, to be in that relationship. For the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith in the days ahead, that it would be fueled and aflame, based on the relationship that you offer us. In Jesus' name we pray.
You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.